We're uh, continuing a series about intersections where the sacred meets the everyday. And I have been tasked with talking about faith in the workplace. And you think, you don't know anything about that because you work at a church. Okay, fair enough. So I was thinking about all the jobs I've had, things that I've been paid for. So here they are. Here's the list. You ready? It's long. And I only got fired once. So when I was 12, uh, my very first job that I ever got paid for was delivering flyers for a real estate agent. And it was about this time of year, and it was cold outside, and we delivered, my buddy and I, uh, like thousands of flyers. And I got really sick. And that was the last time I've delivered flyers for a real estate agent. I was a trash collector at high school an errand boy for the Gospel Herald, of all places. Uh, When I got into high school, college, I didn't want to work the regular, like, McDonald's thing. So we had phone books back then. These things, for you young folks, they were, like, thick and yellow, and they had lists of all the phone numbers you could call. I went through the phone book calling landscaping companies until I got a job. I got a job in the B's, which wasn't too far down. So I got all through the A's, and I got to the B's, got a job. That's the one I got fired from a couple years later. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's right. I sold paintings door to door. That was the worst job ever. Carrying prints, and I sold them for a crooked boss, right? So the guy, like, just lie. Just your whole pitch can be a lie. Tell him you're an office worker, and we kicked you out of the office today, and you just got some spare paintings that you need to unload. Like, that is not true. Well, tell them that anyway. I'm like, I'm not going to tell them that. And guess what? I only sold two paintings because I wouldn't lie. Uh, I worked as a roofer, um, rubber roofing, industrial installation, repair crew for a couple summers. I worked for a heating and air conditioning company where I spent most of my time in the tin shop, cutting sheet metal and bending it into ductwork and using the machines to fold it. Uh, I was an intern with the Chamber of Commerce. I did concrete installation. We did a whole parking lot, 1,400 yards, and so I know how to set forms and uh, finish concrete, cut it, seal it. Uh, We had a 20-minute training on the tar kettle. And if you've worked with a tar kettle before, you'd know that a 20-minute training is like a lawsuit waiting to happen. Because it's, I don't know what the tar is, 400 degrees Fahrenheit or something like that, and if it, it's like napalm. So the special instructions were, don't get it on you, but if you do, don't rub it off. It'll just make it worse. Lick it. And that was true. If you got it on you, you put it in your mouth and got some wet on it, because that was the only thing that would cool it down. If you rubbed it, it would smear and give you third-degree burns everywhere it touched. So we were careful with the tar kettle. Um... What else did I do? Sold advertising for a year for a small newspaper. That was not as bad as selling uh, paintings door-to-door. Learned a lot on that job. Worked as an intern for a Magna International subsidiary for an IT. Served as an assistant campus minister. Interned with a church planning organization. Served as a graduate assistant, a teaching assistant. Taught ESL, theology, missiology at the post-secondary level. Preached for a church entirely of ranchers, uh, where I learned a lot about cowboys. And you know the most interesting thing I learned there? was why on the old cattle drives you would point your wagon tongue to the North Star before you went to sleep. Do you know why? 
I had to ask the ranchers this because I came across it at a pioneer place. I said, what is that about? And they all knew. They said, that's because in the morning, that's your compass. And no matter what the weather's like, if you pointed your wagon tongue towards the North Star before you went to bed in the morning, you know how to set your course. There you go. Um, yeah, s- several other ministry jobs. I busked, I've sung at weddings for pay, performed weddings for strangers. I worked for four and a half years in disaster relief and recovery and then community development. I've worked as a worship minister, but I'm a career missionary. Okay, that's my career. That's what I consider my, my lifelong vocation is a missionary. In those uh, jobs, I experienced a few things. I learned some things. I was scolded, sworn at, injured, fired, made some friends, made some enemies, gained some skills, found some things that I'd like to never do again, laughed, lost my temper, and I think in every single place could find God at work if I looked for him. Okay? Every single place, if you look, you can find God at work. Okay, now it's your turn, so we won't waste paper. Just use your palm and your fingertip. I want you to write down your current vocation. So it could be a workplace if you're a student. It could be a student if you're a, a homemaker, and that's a, that's a real thing. As a lady scolded me one time when, when actually she scolded Michiko because she asked Michiko, what are you doing? Michiko said, I'm a housewife. She said, you're a homemaker because that's where your children's souls are formed. It's like, okay. Homemaker, man or woman, you're a homemaker because that's where your kids' souls are formed. That may be your vocation. It's, a, it's an important one for sure. Uh, your, your vocation, as Kevin mentioned last week, may be searching for a job right now. That's fine. Everybody's got a vocation. Um, I want you to write down the name of your vocation on your palm. Go ahead. June, just write. You can write something. I know you do things. All right. Okay. Uh, I'd like to hear some of those. Let's share. What, what do we have represented in this congregation? Name a vocation. It could, it, you don't have to name your own if it's embarrassing for you. I don't know why it would be. But you don't have to name your own. You can name some, your husbands or your, your spouses or someone else you know. What are some of the vocations we have here? Nurses. Sales and business development. I hope not selling prints door to door. Very good. What else? Retired. And that's a thing. I've heard it's more challenging than people think, actually, can be. Yeah? What else? Teachers. Geologists. Folks in the oil sector, yeah, in various ways. Farmer. Christian as a vocation. Okay. Throw it in there. What else? All right. Say say the first part again. I didn't get it the second time either, but we know what you do, Mark. We got some pilots. I don't know. Do we have any pilots in the air right now? I mean, not in Canada. I mean, in our congregation. <laughs> we got like three down pilots, I think, here in the congregation. What else we got? Pardon? Encouragers to seniors, okay? Yeah, if you're living like my folks are at Prince of Peace and you head up a ladies group there, 
that's a thing. Yeah. What else? Got some other things? Vo- volunteers, is that what you said? Yeah, some volunteers, yep. In a variety of different agencies and, and uh, functions. Students, got a bunch of students. What else? Okay, so I said I'm a career missionary, and I'm looking at that as a missionary. It means God has poised this church in some pretty amazing places and ways. Because we're a missionary church in all of those spaces. So I want to talk a little bit about being a missionary in those spaces for a couple minutes. You'll be happy to know, too, I'm, I've only got a three-page sermon, and I finished my first page already. So, um, Let's think about Scripture for a minute. I, could, I thought about different places that we could go. One of the things about doing a series like this is I feel like I'm working backwards a little bit because we're, we're looking at the thing that we're talking about, and then we're considering what Scripture has to say to us about that or what our faith or what God. I'd rather do it the other way around. I'd rather work from Scripture and then, see, and then see where that leads us, but we're doing it this way. The obvious place to go would be something like salt and light, right? You are the salt of the earth. If a salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing except to be thrown out and trampled. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a, a basket. Um, we could go to Colossians 3 and talk about how you're supposed to do everything that you do, not for human masters, but for the Lord. Those are good kind of vocation, workplace, school place kind of scriptures, but I'm not going to go there. I want us to do something a little different. Would you pray this prayer with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, you, you don't have to repeat after me, you know it. Hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread Forgive us our debts as we forgive, have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So I have a question. What's the relationship between God your workplace, your place of vocation, that could be the home or school, retirement, retirement village, and yourself. What's the relationship between God, your workplace, and you? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, which means your will be done at my workplace like it is in heaven. How about that? What if where we worked, if God's will was done there the way it is done in heaven, which means perfectly, right? The kingdom is not about a space. The kingdom is about a relationship and will. So read reign when you read kingdom. The kingdom of God means the right reign of God. It means his will is being done. So take a look at your workplace and think, how would it look differently if God's will was done in this place in every aspect? Secondly, 
How is it already moving in those directions? I suspect there are places that already look in some ways like God's will is being done in your workplace. How would you identify them and how would you partner with those places? I think it's interesting, um, the, the idea of the kingdom of God in the New Testament is identified with proximity, right? It's not yes or no, in or out, it's Repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. It's close. Where Jesus says to the rich young ruler, you're right, you are not far from the kingdom of heaven. It's a proximity thing there. And I'm willing to bet, I'm not a betting person, but I'm willing to bet that there are spaces in any workplace where God is pushing for his will to be done. And there are folks who are leaning in that direction. So I think the question for us as missionaries in our workplaces is look for the spots where God is already at work and partner with those places. And then ask the place, and then what are the places where if Jesus were here, he would oppose that? And maybe more importantly, how would he oppose it? Would he come back to a bunch of like-minded folks in a church building and say, you know, at my work, Blah, 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 a bunch of jerks. Or would he rail at it in protests? Or would somehow he love those people and say, I think there's a different way. I think there's a better way that we can go. And by the way, the things that Jesus did oppose were not some of the things that are kind of the low-hanging fruit for us. It wasn't, um, (laughs) I have a real clear memory working at the landscaping job where I got fired. Um, by the way, I got fired because there was some confusion about a, a family reunion, and I left, and when I came back, I didn't have a job. Um, but the, my, my boss was not a nice individual. He was rude and rough and gruff. He knew how to do his work. He worked hard and fast. He taught us a lot, but he was a rough person. And he found out my dad was a preacher, and that was really interesting. And he was like, he would he would paint the air blue, and then he'd remember and like, oh yeah, you're the minister's son. I better watch what I say. And I remember thinking, you know, that's really not the space that I think Jesus is too concerned about. I think the spaces that Jesus are concerned about are deep deception, injustices, um, abuse of power. And we might see some of those things in our workplace. And I think the question is, how do we as Christians advocate for justice, advocate advocate for the weak, advocate for integrity and honesty, uh, but do it like Jesus did? And then again, how do we find the spots where God is already at work and join him in that? Where is Randy Tyson? I see you. Come talk to me, Randy. Have a seat. It'd be weird if we just stood here and talked, I think, so we'll sit down and talk. I asked Randy if she would share a little bit about um, what's happening at her workplace, just kind of by way of example. Hi, Randy. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> we'll just make it awkward as we can. How about okay. that? All right. For those of you who are like, what are you doing here for a service? Now you know. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. Hi. So I, I said, I told Randy, I just really have three questions. I'm going to add a fourth. So the, and it's not a, the fourth one is just tell us what your work is. 
I work with um, the city of Calgary. I am in administration with Water Utility as a supervisor for the admin team. Okay, very good. Um, so then the, the next two questions kind of parallel each other. I, the first one is, um, what would you find challenging to living as a Christ follower in your workplace? Are there some things that are challenging? Of course. Of course, there's always things that are challenging in every place. What, um, what I find the most challenging actually is myself. The, the fear that I face in um, a secular community. We have a very inclusive policy at the city. It's, it's a great place to work. And, and really, there is no reason for me to fear, but there's this apprehension that, you know, when, when we're, we're praying in a group, um, somebody walks in in the middle of the prayer, and they go, oh. And we're like, okay, hi. <laughs> you want to join us? Okay, a little later. There's just this unspoken um, understanding that you don't talk about your faith in the corporate world. So, so that apprehension is probably my greatest challenge. Very good. I know none of you would sympathize with that. Um, like finding when your boss finds out your dad's a preacher. Um, so the second question, kind of the opposite of that, is where do you see, though, God at work? In your workplace, well, you're gonna ask me about... you can you if it blends right into that, that's fine. Then we'll only have two questions. <laughs> um, where do I see God at work? Okay, so the the Christian community in my workplace, my workspace, we know each other. It's kind of a a, a network. There's you know, this person, this person, and this person. And occasionally we would get together if there was a situation in which you need to pray. We would want to pray. And we would talk about, hey, should we do this more often? Like, let's make this regular. And there'd be, hmm, ahs and ums, not sure. So I had the opportunity, uh, due to a practicum that I had to do for school, to make it more formal. You know, I, I, I needed to do this, so I said to them, would you be willing to meet with me every week? Can I lead you through this? And they, they agreed. Um, and I took the leadership on it. And it was like, when, the, when I realized I had to do this practicum, you know, sometimes God will whisper to me. Sometimes, you know, he'll, he'll nudge me. Sometimes he just whacks me upside the head and says, could you get on with it? And I'm like, okay, well, this was the whack. This was God God had shown me this really loose community at work, and he gave me the opportunity to lead them into something more solid. You know, our foundation is Jesus. We get together, we study, we pray, and we invite other people to join us. So there's this, this sense that he's really working. And it, it's, it's lovely to me because what I see is the whole corporation, like the city of Calgary, being covered in prayer on a regular basis. And it's just, in these times of economic difficulties, it's encouraging to me to know that our leadership has, we have them covered. 
and we can see the difference and we feel the peace. We know that we have each other. We go to when we have something that's difficult to talk about, we can go to each other. We, we have that support. We know that where two or more are gathered, God is there. We know God is there. That's pretty awesome. Thank you. Who knew that was going to come up? <laughs> can we give her some applause for sharing and being? Thank you very much. Like, she actually still does live out in the real workplace, not like me, right? Some things that you might sympathize or recognize, I expect, in that. So, a couple things to hang on to, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done at my workplace, just like it is in heaven. Which means... There may be some things that I need to oppose or push back against a bit, but I'm going to do it like Jesus does. I'm not going to be a jerk. There are undoubtedly some spaces where God's kingdom is already breaking in around you. So I'm going to look for those places and join in. And then in terms of ways that we might build bridges with our workplace... Um, something's happening in our congregation right now, and I don't know if you've noticed this. I'm sure you have. Like, we talk about the Wednesday lunches. We talk about um, Christmas in Marlboro, which is coming up. We talk about our, those kind of outreach. But there's a, there's a second layer that's happening in relation to those. People around us are noticing in our community and want to join in. People want to partner with good works and service. So... We have a friend who has never darkened the doorway here, but since she started, every Tuesday, without, she, she, she got sick once and couldn't make it, but every Tuesday, a bag of goodies shows up on my doorstep for our friends at Wednesday lunch. Usually they're home-baked, or half of it is home-baked, and half of it is something packaged. Because she sees something good happening here and she wants to participate. Randy and Donna, you may not have met them, uh, have come week after week after week after week and helped with the lunch. Randy had a heart attack or stroke, more like a stroke, not too long ago. So he's a bit out of commission recovering. But they're folks who just found out something's happening and they want to participate. We have, so I'm going to give you a very practical application for this sermon. I mentioned Christmas in Marlboro is coming. Watch the bulletin, watch the emails, watch the website, watch the bulletin board out there. There's tons of information about this. But a couple dates that you should remember, um, November 23rd, which is uh, three weeks from today, is that right? Uh, Three weeks from yesterday. I'll have my busking license again, and we'll be busking in the Marlboro train station and gathering stories of Marlboro. This is a relationship building and a listening event. This is not a telling event, okay? But it's where we go and just try to find out parts of people's stories that they're willing to share. Um, If you want to know the science underneath it, it's called appreciative inquiry, and it's a very powerful tool that helps heal a community 
by gathering their story and reflecting it back to them. But this is something that Hope came across um, with humans in New York. We've adapted it and done it the last year, two years, last year, two years. Yeah, so it's the third year that we'll be doing this, gathering stories of Marlboro. You should be a part of that. It's easy. You just come. If you're afraid to talk to people, just come and listen to music or buy coffee for somebody, something like that. If you're bold enough to say, hey, we're gathering stories of Marlboro. Could you tell me some of your story? They don't even have to share their name, but they get to be heard for a day. November 23rd, that will lead into Christmas in Marlboro event here at the building on December 7th, a Saturday, 3 to 5. That's open to the community, and we have a lot of traffic through the community. Um, And then Christmas Eve happens on December 24th, like it does every year. And we're going to have the theme running through all of that of there is power in the name of Jesus uh, over the darkness. That's going to be the theme. But you should find a little pamphlet like this. Hope, where can they get these? Did they go in the bulletin? Or they're, they're at the back. Take a look at this and take a look at the bulletin board there. This is a space for participation for your coworkers. We're going we're gonna to gather some items um, like, like hampers and gift baskets for four families from the Marlboro Elementary School for 30 teens from Discovering Choices just across the street, for 20 of our friends from the Wednesday lunch program, and then there's a variety of items that we need uh, for the Christmas and Marlboro party. And you can just ask your coworkers if they'd like to participate in this. It's an awfully safe space to make a partnership that's leaning in the direction of God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you um, that even if we weren't here, if we didn't sing songs, the rocks would cry out. Uh, If we didn't follow you, all of nature does. You would find a way to reach this world that you love, uh, that you would redeem it and reconcile it to yourself. But we are here, and you invite us in to be a part of that. And it's an amazing thing. Uh, Forgive us for our mistakes, Lord. We know that you do. Um, Help us sense your presence and your power as the thing that drives us and carries us. Help us to see the people around us as you do. To love them deeply. Where there is injustice, where there is deceit, where there is abuse of power. Give us the strength to stand up to those things, but to do it with the character and the heart of Christ. We pray all of this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.